This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 302, Client Spotlight, The Upton Sinclair Paradox with Nick Poppy. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey guys, what is even better than a five-star review on this podcast? Well, it's actually sharing it with a friend. More people find podcasts because friends recommend it than any other way. So hit that share button in your podcast app and send this episode to a friend right now. Let us know you did, and we'll send you a copy of our favorite book free of charge. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode. Glad to have you. We've got tons of great content to get into and a great guest to introduce you to. First, a question. What if the very foundation of your profession was challenged by some sort of new information or a different perspective? What would you do? Would you stick to your guns and stay the course? Or would you change direction and pursue a new path? These are difficult questions that require a ton of introspection, self-reflection. And I hope to explore them with you in today's episode. So what would you do? Really, what would you do if you learned your career was based on flawed myths or outdated information? Would you be willing to adapt and evolve or would you cling on to the familiar and comfortable? I believe that these questions are not just academic exercises, but they're real world challenges that we're all going to face at some point in our lives. Now, Upton Sinclair once said, it is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on him not understanding it. I'm going to say it again. It's difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on him not understanding it. There are powerful financial incentives in shaping our beliefs and our behavior. So I am more than impressed anytime I see someone who's able to think for themselves and is willing to consider a new approach even when they're financially incentivized to continue on the well-trodden path of old paradigms of thinking. So our guest today was able to do just that. He overcame what I call the Upton Sinclair paradox. Both originally from South Dakota, Nick and his wife, Brooke, have been in the Northwest Arkansas region for the past two years with their two dogs. Brooke is an occupational therapist, and Nick works fully remotely in the financial industry. Key word there, financial industry. After several years of banking and financial planning and knowing the average financial strategies were not working, Nick discovered the bank on yourself strategy and has implemented this not your average financial plan for the past three years and has experienced the peace of mind, ease, and guarantees that this strategy still provides him today. In our episode, Nick's going to share some personal experiences that he's had with the Bank on Yourself strategy, starting with his earliest memories of money and how he stumbled across the Bank on Yourself concept. We'll talk about the flaws of traditional retirement planning and looking at it from the inside as we are both insiders, both in the financial industry. Specifically, we talk about the shaky foundation of what has been referred to as the 4% rule. 
and we talk about the importance of having guarantees and a solid foundation for your financial plan, which is where Bank on Yourself really comes in. So take it away, Nick. Nick, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm glad to have you. It's been great getting to know you. Before we get into where you and I met, I want you to take us way back to when you first stumbled across this thing called money. Tell us your first couple of memories with money or earning a paycheck. Yeah. Growing up, both my parents are teachers. So, you know, we weren't a high income household by any means. Food was always on the table. You know, I never knew of any issues that we were having. You know, my first first money memory, I, I think I recall is when I first started to work during the summers. I worked at our local school as a, a custodian and I worked 40 hours a week, every week. My first paycheck out, well, I got a paycheck once a month and it was less than a thousand dollars. And when I got that, I, I was like, whoa, I need to figure out ways to make a, a bit more. You know, it, it pays the bills in high school and I'm still living with mom and dad, but it's not going to go very far once I'm out of my own. And now fast forward and look at you now, man, you guys, you and Brooke are doing a great job. You're thinking creatively and outside the box. And we met, I and I was looking at my notes here, our financial analysis, where we sit down with every client and just get to know them first and get to understand their goals and their objectives, their where their money is at today and so forth. We had that conversation, if you can believe it, Nick, it was April 22nd, 2020. So what was going on in the world in April of 2020? It is an interesting time for a lot of different things. For us personally, I was in a very ironic role, I would say. I was working as a traditional financial advisor, more, more on the team, I guess. I was working for a financial advisor who was a very large fan of a big radio guy down in Tennessee. Things Let me guess, his, his, this radio host's last name might rhyme with Shamsie. Is that right? You are correct on that okay. one. Yeah. Okay. And I had discovered like the infinite banking, banking herself type stuff, at least probably a couple of years before. It took me a while to kind of grasp onto it. And I'd come back to it. I discovered you, I think maybe February or March of that year. And then once I did that, everything clicked. So then it kind of creates a bit of a, uh, a ironic situation that I was in work-wise where, you know, I, I discovered this new concept that really made a ton of sense, something that I really was believing in. So I connected with you, obviously it was during COVID and I was also watching. I remember one client that we had had about $2 million in stocks. And within about three weeks, it went down to 1.4. And I knew at that moment, I could not be giving advice to people, not knowing what's going to happen. Just seeing something like that, you know, they were they were okay because they could let it go back up. But what if somebody had expenses they need to cover during that time? I had to take the funds out when it's down 30%. So at that point, I, I really felt torn. You know, I, I thought I wanted to be this traditional financial advisor. I got to kind of experience that, discover new things, discovered you, reached out to you and set up that meeting. My wife was about to graduate in May of 2020. We knew our income was going to go up. And after discovering this and going over the concept with her and really breaking it down and, and she was in uh, our, our meetings as well. And she was able to talk to you and understand more of how everything works. We decided that was the route we wanted to go with our money. Do you recall where you found the bank on yourself or infinite banking concept? Yeah, I want to say it was maybe around, 
maybe late 2018 or 2019, I had the becoming your own banker. You know, it's such a different concept that you're never taught. You know, I have a, an MBA in finance. I never knew anything about this. I got my series 66 and series seven and they don't cover this stuff. And then I think beginning of 2020, I discovered you. Once I discovered you, your teaching method uh, just really connected with me. And at that point, I mean, you have a lot more podcast episodes now, but I think at that point you maybe had maybe around 150 or so. And I started from one and I went all the way through. And then I went through one more time because I really wanted to grasp everything. When I started to learn from you, it made things a lot more clear or we felt comfortable moving forward. Thank you for the kind words, Nick. I'm, I'm curious, from your perspective, you've been trained in, like I was too, but you've been trained in the traditional kind of mindset for financial planning. What do you believe is fundamentally flawed or wrong with traditional retirement and financial planning? There's a lot of stuff, Mark. Um, just a lot of, you don't have a foundation. The one thing that really connected when I discovered your stuff and even how other people who teach this concept talk is you have to have a firm foundation. And nowadays that foundation is a, a 401k that's hundred percent in stocks or something. And you can lose 50% of it in a couple of weeks if there's a really bad downturn. Not having that foundation is huge. We felt that that peace of mind with having that now, you know, we've been doing this now since our first premium payment was May of 2020. So we've you know have a few years under our belt and we feel the that peace of mind of having something you know is going to be there no matter what. Another big piece is income and retirement. This concept, some people discuss it more than others, but it's a great way to, to know you have pretty much guaranteed income. You know, interest rates can vary and whatnot, but you, you know you're going to have something there and you know roughly what that number is going to be at the time of retirement. You want to take some money out. So I think those are the two big things. You know, the 4% rule just, it, it works until it doesn't. A, a couple of bad years and you might have a, a very small income in retirement that you weren't expecting and your lifestyle could change completely. So, you know, it's having a, a solid foundation. You can't underemphasize the, the power of guarantees as well. You know, what, whether that would be a life insurance policy or annuity, having those guarantees is, is a very powerful thing to have. Well, you're right. There is a a theme or an assumption that's made by just your average Joe and your typical financial planner that the market is the only way to reach our financial objectives. Why is it that more people don't know about bank on yourself? You know, why do you believe maybe it's not taught in high school or in even a college MBA? Why do you think it's not more broadly dispensed? Well, it makes people money, obviously, but it's not like the big Wall Street firms. You know, they have a bunch of money to advertise and they have multi-billion dollars assets under management. They all get a fee on there. What always cracks me up is that, that Shamsy guy that you're talking about in Tennessee. He talks about how corrupt these life insurance agents are if they make a commission. But, you know, if you actually put the numbers together, how much a traditional financial advisor makes on a 1% assets under management fee is going to be so much larger than mm -hmm. uh, a commission. You know, it's, it's front loaded. The, the policies don't perform well up front, but that's all paid out right away and it gets more efficient every single year. And then like you always talk about, it's most efficient when you want it most efficient towards retirement years and, and towards the end. The messaging that is put out 
I still see videos and articles of think on yourself is a scam. This is why. But when you actually read them, read the article, listen to the video, and you actually understand the concept, they, they don't actually have anything solid to stand on. They would just talk to someone who's mm-hmm. educated on it. Their argument would be wiped off the table. They just have no, no actual dispute against why this isn't legit. So you're hearing from someone who, guys listening here, you're listening to Nick Poppy, who's a, he's a financial professional, licensed, has a background in stocks, trading, mutual funds, et cetera. You and I have seen the end result working in financial firms. We see anecdotally, of course, and anecdotes are not, the plurality of anecdotes does not make data or statistics. I realize that, but over thousands of, of families now, you get to see this over a large data set. You start to see the themes of people in stressful situations because their money is in undue risk situations, right? They're they're taking unnecessary risks to reach an objective like retirement in an inefficient asset class like stocks, bonds, et cetera. If you want to hear more about why it's called the wolf of Wall Street, not the wolf of insurance, okay? The reason is the fees and go listen to episode 36, way back in the back catalog, episode 36. You can see on the show notes of that episode, a spreadsheet of what commissions are paid on a bank on your self-designed policy versus the commissions or in or, or the fees that are paid on an asset center management of similar design. Okay, so that's episode 36. Okay, so turning our attention now to Nick and Brooke and the family here. So tell us what your goals were when you originally started these policies and tell me how have you used your policies over the years? Yeah. So when we first got started, our first policy wasn't very big at the time, but we, we wanted to kind of dip our toe in a little bit, you know, put in an amount that is it's meaningful, but you know, if I happen to be wrong and this is just a big scam and whatnot, we wouldn't be completely wiped out. So we put in, you know, a decent chunk, just kind of wanting to, have a spot to save some extra cash. We just knew we wanted to get started because we believed in the concept. So we know if you have guaranteed compounding interest, it's better if you can't start 20 years ago, you might as well start today. So we just wanted to get that rolling. And then from there, we've expanded now. We've just opened opened our fourth policy. So our, our numbers have gone up a little bit. And now we are starting to get more defined goals. We have used this to buy our house that we're currently in. We had sold our, our starter home, used the proceeds from that to buy this house, but that wasn't enough for the down payment. So we tapped into our policies and covered the rest with that. One of the goals that we just kind of thought of was we want to be positive net worth in five years. So pretty much about every month, I have a spreadsheet. I track assets, liabilities, figure out where we're at. And man, the, the progress we were making was, was impressive. Uh, I was very, very shocked with how much we were able to save, took advantage, like I said, of the student loan pause and all that stuff, and really just shoved as much cash into our policies as we could. And as of January 11th of 2023 is when we became net worth positive. I think at that Woo-hoo! point, it was about $27.43. But since then, it's, it's grown because we, you know, we got our tax refund. We've continued to save and stuff. So Wow. Yeah, it, it was a really good feeling. You know, we, we hit it much sooner than we thought we would. So now we got to figure out what, what the next big goal is. 
Man, that is congratulations. That is an incredible achievement in just that short a time is really well done. And that's proof that you guys are mega savers. Yeah, Brooke and I had a couple of conversations about that. Just kind of trying to figure out what we wanted to do. I mean, it really all comes down to the concept of, of banking yourself, Mark. It really does because it's it's the and asset. You're able to do many different things. And that was one thing that I've always struggled with trying to figure out what's the best thing to do with my money. Just we really want to have a firm foundation, you know, have a little bit of cushion. Uh, you know, if, if one of us has a medical emergency, loses a job, need a new car, something like that, that we're okay to cover that. We don't have to go into credit card debt to cover that. So just being able to have that, that foundation uh, was important to us. And then once we really got into it, we saw the power of when your money can't go down, it only, it only goes one direction. And we just saw the power of that. And we just want to keep doing more and more of it, knowing that this is an and asset and we can use it to pay off student debt mm. uh, while still having that compound growth. So Love it. That, that was really the, the big thing is having more things that we could, more options. If we paid, if we focus on the debt, you can't go back to Fannie Mae or whoever has it and be like, hey, I had a, a big emergency. I, I need some of that money back. <laughs> they, they, won't, they won't do that. So just knowing that, you know, we can save a bunch, borrow against it when we're ready, use that to pay off, you know, the student loans whenever we want to. And then knowing that we now have a, a healthy cash cushion to do stuff like that is really the, the peace of mind. We just felt more comfortable doing it this way than attacking the student debt directly. Well, that's well said, man. And and you said it, you said, hey, when you park your money in something that cannot go down in value, it only goes in one direction up. And that is such a relief. It's, it's who to thunk. It's a financial stress-free solution. You can actually start to build a plan around something like that. You know, when you have no clue what your account balance is going to be worth on the IRA or the 401k, it's difficult to build a plan around that. But you're just telling us that it created actually a peace of mind. Many folks say, well, Mark, should I pay off my debt first or should I start saving first? You know, should I save or should I pay off my debt and then start saving? What, what would you say to them? With the knowledge I know now, it's you save first, you know, just, just knowing this concept, you know, you can build up that cash, wipe out the debt, pay off the loan. Then at that point, you're the banker, you figure out your own payment schedule. You know, you still want to pay it back. When we took our, our policy loan to help with the down payment on the house, we paid that back as quick as possible because we wanted that liquid capital back available to us. So for with more traditional strategies, I'd open up a Roth IRA, throw as much as I could into it. Um, I think I did it twice. Once I, I know I maxed it out. And the other time I think I was close and then something comes up and I'm out of cash. And, you know, I was lucky that it had gone down because the investments had gone down. So like it really wasn't a big deal and I'd been open long enough so I could get my, my original contribution back out. But you know, then you're starting back from zero and you're covering that debt. You're back to square one with savings. So now with this, it's just so easy to put the money in the policy first. And then, you know, you have it there. If those things do come up and you do need access to cash. What would you tell someone who has been steeped heavily like you and I were 
And uh, in many ways, we all are steeped in the average way of thinking with regard to money and finance. Let's say that they've stumbled across this episode somehow, and they're hearing this for the very first time. Now, what would you want to say to that person who's just dipping their toe into this other world, this other matrix? Yeah, I think a, two of the biggest things are you got to think about things with an unbiased mind, whether it's finances, health, politics, anything really. If you can just approach it with an unbiased mind without your own preconceptions, you're going to be able to see things more clearly. And that's what I was finally able to do with this concept. It's not traditional. It's definitely something that's not talked about on CNBC. So, you know, just finding good people that can teach it to you, you know, watching YouTube videos, listening to your podcast, stuff like that, I think is the biggest thing because, yeah, you're not going to be taught this in school. You're not going to be reading this in the Wall Street Journal. You know, it's just something that, you know, you have to understand the concept. Once you get it, you can't unsee it. I, I knew this was going to be our main financial tool to get us to that, hopefully that next level. Cause I know we can use it for other things. Um, and then the other thing would be to try to think about like who benefits from what you're hearing. That's another, not just fi financial stuff, but really anything CNBC again, or wall street journal who benefits from pushing these stocks, these mutual funds and stuff like that. And yeah. when you kind of are able to dig into that a little bit and things just seem a bit more clear and you understand a bit yeah. more and it's disappointing sometimes when you think like you're you're hearing advice that you would hope would be coming from someone who, who wants the best for you but then you, you kind of figure out you know maybe there's a financial incentive involved or something and that's i don't mind people getting paid but yeah it's, it's they don't need to retire before it's, you it's do bit, right Exactly. Yeah. I don't need to, my money doesn't become their annuity with my assets. Under right. Good answer. Yeah. Life, good, so. good man. Yeah. Yeah. I know you're, you're exactly right. Think about the advice you're receiving and who is profiting from the advice that you're receiving. And you're right to think about this in terms of the financial world, but also, you know, diet and exercise fads and the car you buy and all that. What is the advice you're getting and who's benefiting from the advice you're currently hearing and plan to act on. That's a great piece of advice. One more question before we kind of wrap up with some resources and next steps for folks, Nick, but you and Brooke are mega savers, mega savers. You're weird in a good way. So give us a tip. What's some ways we can all do just a bit better or mega better with our saving strategies? We're very blessed. Some of the things that we've done is with our big items just live within our means. We, we spend money on things that we really value. I think it's those big line items that really make the biggest difference. You know, it's not the coffee you get on the weekends or something like that. It's those big items that you can cut back on that, that really move the needle. You've got a couple of books you wanted to recommend? Yeah. So a couple that I've reread recently, uh, one of them is Do the Impossible by Jason Dries. And the other one is The Power of One More by Ed Milet. One of the things that I've probably struggled with the most is mindset. So just, I always have to kind of have constant reinforcement with that. Cause I, I've, I've noticed for a while there, I let it slide a little bit. I was like, I got to get back into reading some of these books, listening to these podcasts because mindset is such a important thing. You know, I, I think that I've shifted it and we've seen benefits from it, but I know that I could still take it to a, a, another level. And then if, if you're able to do that, 
you know, the, it's like that, the title of the book, do the impossible. You really can do things that you never thought were possible. I'm going to check both of those out. Thank you for those. And we talked about it before we hit record. You mentioned the best way for folks to reach you is to find you at the coolest and not so average financial community, which is aptly titled the Not Your Average Financial Community. Uh, you guys can find it at notyouraverage.mn.co. So if you want to reach out or hear more about Nick's story and other clients that are making like waves and part of this mega revolution in, in banking and personal finance, go to notyouraverage.mn.co and look up Nick. He's right there. And he I, you're usually pretty uh, responsive to questions and feedback and dialogue. Nick, anything you want to add there as far as how folks can find you? Yeah, I, mean, I think that's the best way to to reach me. That is the only social media app that I have alerts set up for. So I will get it if you reach out to me through the website. Nick, it's great to have you as a friend and as a, a colleague in the financial revolution happening with Bank on Yourself and more. And you're an inspiration to me and an inspiration to, I'm sure, many people listening today. So thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Mark. I really appreciate it. Great stuff, Nick. Thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Every time one of my amazing clients is able and willing to come on and share a bit about their story, their experience. So thank you, Nick. And thanks for showing all of us what it means to think outside the box, no matter what our day job might be. So first takeaway that I had was your first job can teach you more than it can pay you. Your first job can teach you more than it can pay you. Nick's first income for the entire month was less than $1,000. Not enough for him, but the lesson he took away from that job was worth more than any money he might have ever received. He realized that he needed to figure out ways to make more money, and that's a lesson he's still learning and benefiting from today. Second takeaway, don't let your salary convince you of something if it's just not true. Don't get stuck in the Upton Sinclair paradox. Regardless of how pretty the account numbers look and the pay stubs look in your balance sheet or on your bank statement, it's never worth it to live a lie. Now, Nick talked about how the 401k is not a firm foundation for your finances, if it's especially if it's 100% in stocks, since that can lose 50% of its value in just a few weeks if there's a bad downturn. Third takeaway. Pay particular attention to how your financial professional is being paid. If he or she is building a business plan around your assets under their management, please know that you will be giving them money whether they do well for you in the market or they lose you cash during a downturn. They typically will still be paid. That's how assets under management business models work. And typically, according to the Department of Labor, over a 35-year period, investment advisors will take 30 plus percent of your nest egg just due to the power of compounding over time. That's a third of your money gone just to fees. Now compare this to an insurance agent. And in fact, we did this down to the dollar. Go back and look at the show notes for episode 36 if you want to see this in detail. And you'll be able to see that if you put a comparable amount into a bank on yourself designed whole life insurance policy versus an assets under management investment fund, you'll end up spending 18 times more money on fees in a non-guaranteed asset like stocks and investment accounts charging just 1% a year, which is why there was a movie out a few years ago called The Wolf of Wall Street, and they did not call the movie The Wolf of Insurance. 
It's the fees are in the investment industry, certainly not the insurance industry. Insurance agents do not make hefty commissions, especially when we design them the bank on yourself way. That's the third takeaway. Fourth and final takeaway. I was blown away with Nick's capacity for tracking his progress and setting up financial goals. Nick and Brooke set a goal to be positive net worth in five years, and they've been tracking their progress monthly. It's so crucial to have a clear understanding of your financial situation, even if you're still in negative net worth territory. And it's not so much about how far you have to go, but how much you've gained since the last time you check in. As Dan Sullivan says, don't focus on the gap, focus on the gain, and you'll stay motivated. And I certainly got pumped and motivated getting to talk with Nick. It's always a pleasure getting to share incredible conversations I have with clients with you, my revolutionary audience. So thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.